Jesus prays for his disciples. John chapter 17, verses 6 to 19. I have revealed you to those to whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words that you gave me and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all that you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name that you gave me so that may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name that you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world so they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not what you take is not that you take them out of the world, but you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth, and as you sent them into the world, as you sent sorry, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they may too may be truly sanctified. Amen. Gracious God, we thank you for your word speaking to us this day and every day. We thank you for its truth and power and comfort. Be with me this morning. Help me to hear what you are saying. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. When I first came to Trinity as a student lay preacher, all those many years ago, I was struck by the strength of prayer in Trinity, not just on Sunday mornings, but every day. The offering of daily prayers in the chapel was a great gift to church members and to the community. And it continues still, albeit from the homes of the volunteer team. Over the space of a month, all members and groups are prayed for by name, as are the streets in the neighborhood. Daily prayers sent to me by email have been helpful during lockdown, as has pastoral support. And it's good to know that we're all being prayed for, all looked out for. Early on in Trinity, I encountered Paul's word on prayer in Philippians. Rejoice in the Lord always. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, present your requests to the Lord. And in Thessalonians, rejoice always, pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus 
for you. We take it for granted that our worship in church will include prayers. But what about our personal prayers? Everyone is very different. How do you pray? Do you use a prayer guide? Do you have a particular place at home where you like to pray? When do you pray? What do you pray about? And for whom do you pray? Personal prayer isn't something that we talk a lot about. When we do talk about prayer, we can sometimes get involved in theological discussions about faith and how God does or doesn't answer prayer. But that's not today's issue. Today's reading is the gospel, gospel lectionary reading for the week. And it's part of a prayer that Jesus prayed in the upper room after he'd shared a meal with his disciples. We often call that meal the Last Supper. He knew that in a very short time, he would be arrested and would be put to death. And he was truly troubled about this, and especially about what would happen to his disciples, his friends, when he was gone. It should have been a really happy meal. Jesus and his disciples were in Jerusalem at Passover time with thousands of other Jews, praising God in that glorious temple. Everyone's celebrating and preparing for the Passover feast, the various elements of which would remind them of the time when Moses was prophet, the great prophet, and helped and their escape, their exodus from Egypt. And also of God's continuing faithfulness and love for them. Every part of the feast was symbolic, from the bitter herbs symbolizing the cruelty of life under the Egyptians to the sacrificed lamb, reminding them of how God had helped them escape and eventually settle in the promised land. None of us like healing unpleasant things. During their journey to Jerusalem, Jesus had warned his disciples that he would suffer, but they didn't listen. They didn't really understand. And that week in Jerusalem, with his triumphant entry, his bold actions in the temple, and his discussions with the Pharisees, none of this pointed to problems. It pointed to success, probably future leadership, not failure. But now, during the meal, there had been that chilling moment when once Jesus said that one of them would betray him. The joyful feelings of Palm Sunday had totally disappeared. That night in the upper room, Jesus was saying goodbye, preparing them for a time when he would no longer be with them. Sad and anxious for his friends, he tried to help them understand and told them lots of things. So many that it was hard for them to take in. Amongst them, that he was leaving. He would be going to his father, but would send a comforter that they should keep true to his teachings and above all, that they should love one another. And their love for one another would show the world that they were his disciples. He told them that there would be harsh times ahead, but he was giving them his peace. John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. 
having told his disciples these things, which must have left them stunned and confused, he began a prayer, part of which Marion read. Prayer can be defined as speaking to God. And we know from the Gospels that Jesus often spoke to God. At his baptism, alone, drawing apart from others, on mountains, sometimes for the whole night, sometimes early in the morning, looking to heaven, blessing food, looking to heaven, healing, and of course, his words to God from the cross. His disciples admired him. They wanted to pray like him. And in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus gave them a guide on how they should speak, how they should behave, what they should ask for. The word acts, A-C-T-S, reminds us of various types of prayers. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. And we have these sorts of prayers in weekly services. Prayers of adoration, of confession, of thanksgiving, of supplication, or as we often call it, intercession. Prayer was really important to Jesus. It kept him connected to his Father in heaven. He prayed a lot, but in most cases, we don't get to know his actual words. In fact, when he taught his disciples about prayer, he spoke about having a private relationship with God. Matthew 6, 6. When you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. But on this occasion in our Bibles, we can read the words of what some have described as Jesus' longest prayer. Marion read from verse 9 in John 17. In the preceding verses, Jesus tells God that he's successfully completed his mission. And Tom Wright translates it like this. Father, the moment has come. Glorify your son so that he may glorify you. Do this in the same way as you gave him authority over all people so that he could give eternal life to everyone you gave him. And by eternal life, I mean that they should know the one true God and Jesus, the Messiah, the one you sent. I revealed your name to the people you gave me out of the world. They belong to you. You gave them to me. Now they know everything which you gave me comes from you. I have given them the words you gave me and they have received them. They have come to know in truth that I came from you. They believe that you sent me. Then he continued, as we heard Marion read, praying first for his disciples and then for future believers. And that's a real change. Up till now, Jesus has been teaching his disciples about God. Now he talks to God about his disciples, his friends, and acknowledges that they've been specifically chosen and given to him by God. That through knowing Jesus, they've come to know what God is like. They had spent a lot of time together. Jesus had been their teacher. They'd learned so much from him. And through this, their relationship had developed. Their relationship had developed. 
Jesus no longer thinks of them as students, as disciples, but values them as friends. He cares about them. He feels responsible for them. He knows their strengths, but also their weaknesses. It's how much they still rely on him. So he asks God to keep them safe. When troubles come, we can sometimes lose our direction. We've all heard heartbreaking stories of how families have fallen apart, of homelessness and addiction, when people have been unable to cope with difficult circumstances. Jesus knows these men with their different personalities so well. And he prays that when he's no longer there to support them, that God will help them stay together to continue the work that he has begun. But there's more. Confident that Jesus will an answer his request and that their future mission will be successful, Jesus continues with a prayer for all future believers. Verses 20 and 21. I'm not simply praying for them. I'm praying too for the people who will come to believe in me because of their words. I pray that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you that they too, so that the world may believe that you sent me, may be in us. I find that really humbling and amazing. 2000 or so years ago, in that upper room, Jesus was praying for me and you, for all who would be his church, for protection in the world and for unity. Just as Jesus prayed for his first disciples, he wants us to be protected and to be as one, witnessing by our words and our deeds that people will know we are followers of Jesus. And by watching and listening, they too will get to know about God. Protection. We're continually being urged to protect ourselves from theft, from diverse fraud, from cyber attacks, not to mention avoiding putting ourselves in danger, situations which might harm us. Hands, mass, distance, space. Over the year, there have been many mantras issued to try to keep us safe from COVID. The vaccines have improved things, but we still need precautions and safety measures to keep us safe. But the protection Jesus was praying for wasn't safeguarding from illness or other kinds of dangers was against the distractions of the world that might affect our behaviour, weaken our faith, and lead us away from totally following him and his teachings. And goodness knows there's so much that might get in our way. Balancing a faith-filled life with daily living and working can prove very challenging. And it's hard to be different to stand out in a crowd. We might face misunderstanding and suspicion. For some, maybe scorn. For others, serious persecution. There is wickedness and rebellion in our world today, just as Jesus said when he prayed for protection from the evil one. And as for unity. But dear, we don't often do that too well in one church, never mind locally or globally. Interpretation of the Bible causes splits within denominations. Ecumenical movements are often destabilised by rules and regulations. But we should try to work together, 
That's what Jesus prayed for and is still praying for, encouraging us to keep on praying too in his name, being joyful and having faith in the power of prayer. And our prayer on this passage by Roberta Rominger, who was a former General Secretary of the URC and used to be Thames North Synod Moderator for the URC. It's called Consecrated by the Truth. These days, it is we who are accused of superstition and ignorance. It is you, living God, who are dismissed as nothing more than a figment of our imaginations, a protection of our needs and wishful thinking. Consecrate us by the truth. Teach us to inhabit the thinking of Jesus, his living for others, his dying for us, until his resurrection life is the truth within us. When we are challenged, give us words to speak. Help us simply to speak of you out of what we have known or felt or experienced. Help us to believe in you not because we don't recognize other arguments, but because believing in you is what makes the most sense, intellectually as well as spiritually, and because of Christ's joy, which is alive in all of us. Amen. <laughs>